Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Well, good morning, you guys. Uh, my name is Michael, and I have the opportunity today to open up the Bible and to share some thoughts with you from it. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter 8. Or if you're going to look on the app, you can uh, tune that to Acts 8 as well. It's going to be a bit before we get to that story. We're going to talk about some other passages in the process, but that's the longest one we're going to be examining this morning. Uh, We have been in this series on the Holy Spirit, as Elijah said, for these last few weeks. And I know it's been a benefit to me as I've just sat and listened and tried to continue to become more and more a person who's guided by God's Spirit and who understands what God wants to do in my life and, and through my life to help others. And one of the things that has stood out to me as I've just been listening to Mark's teaching on these things is a question he asked a few weeks ago. And the question that he posed was, what if the Holy Spirit is like the unopened gift of modern Christianity? It's kind of been resonating with me as I've, as I've played this out in my mind. I mean, it's holiday season. We're approaching Christmas. We're at that time of year when people are arguing about how soon you can start listening to Christmas music. We know it's just around the corner. And you know how it is. Like we buy gifts for people and we wrap up these gifts and then they hand, we hand them these gifts. And then the idea is that you receive these gifts and then you unwrap it and then you open up the box so that you can enjoy whatever it is you've been given. We understand how this works. But then there's that question like, well, what if the Holy Spirit is like a gift that you just leave under the tree. Or maybe you take off the wrapping, but you don't pull out the tape. Or maybe you rip off the tape and you crack it open a little bit, but not all the way. That's been the question. And it reminded me of a story I heard a few years ago. Y'all may have heard the same thing. It's from J.J. Abrams, the director who's done some of the recent Star Wars movies and Lost is probably his most famous show and Alias and some other stories often having to do with mystery. And he was talking, he gave a TED talk in about a decade ago on what drives him as a storyteller. And he talked about when he was a young guy, he, he loved magic. His grandpa would take him to this magic store where he lived, Tannen's Magic Store. And uh, one of the things that he bought one time at that store was, was a magic mystery box. You can take a look at it. Here's what it looks like. So it's just this box, this Tannen's Magic Mystery Box. And the way it worked is you pay $15 and you get $50 worth of magic, but you don't know what's in there. You just sort of buy it and then whatever you get, you get. Well, he bought this when he was a kid, like eight, nine years old, never opened it. He talks about how it stayed in his room all growing up. He took it to college. Every job he's had, it's been sitting on his desk or sitting on a shelf, and it's just always there. And people will ask him, why don't you open the box? Like, what's the deal with the unopened mystery box? And he said, like, for me, that box represents infinite possibility. That box represents mystery. That box drives me with the question, what might be in there? And you can kind of see that in some of even the stories that he tells and the way in which mystery plays a role and we're just trying to explore possibilities. And that's fine and good when it comes to a director making movies, right? It's fine and good when you're talking about cheap magic that probably isn't all that awesome anyway. It's a little bit different when what's inside the box is the Holy Spirit. And so this whole series has been about wisdom on what we can expect if and when we do open the box. We can expect presence that the whole, part of what the Holy Spirit does is, is, is helps us understand how we're never not in God's presence. The Spirit is God's presence with us. Uh, life, how though we're dead on our own, like dead spiritually speaking, the Spirit enters into us and brings us back to life so that we're connected to God and one another. Transformation, how our character is shaped by the Holy Spirit. Uh, empowerment for service, this was last week, how the Spirit empowers us to love the people around us. And today we're talking about guidance. That's our theme for the morning. I want to, uh, to share a verse with you that's going to kind of hang over everything we're going to say. And again, it's a verse that we've heard in this series. It's become familiar to us, I think. It's one of my favorite ones. It's kind of a theme in my life right now. Galatians 5.25. 
where Paul, who's one of the early church leaders, is writing to these churches in a place called Galatia, and he says toward the end of his letter, since we live or have life by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Like you get that, like keep in step with. We understand what that means. It means that I'm going somewhere, I'm being led somewhere by the Spirit. So there you go. There's guidance, there's leadership from the Spirit. And as we reflect on this idea and on this experience and what it is and what it should be, there's really two kind of points that I want to make this morning. And the second one, the second half is, is really the heart of the burden that I, that I feel compelled to share. I feel like God is compelling me to share with us as a church. And the first half is kind of clearing away the cobwebs maybe, or like establishing some common ground. Um, at any rate, I don't know if it's, whether it's a pre-sermon and a sermon or point one, point two, whatever, who cares? At the end of the day, we're going to study this idea of being guided by the Spirit. Here's the first thing I want to say. Guidance from the Spirit is not like weird or random. I think this is kind of important to think about. It would be fun, actually, and this is, I don't just mean this rhetorically, I think we'd actually enjoy it if we could, if we could sit down and just swap stories about when we think of a person who is spirit-led, like a really spiritual person, what do we think of? It'd be interesting if you think of a person who often hears the voice of God, like what, what's your picture? I don't know what you picture. I don't know if you picture like Dan Aykroyd or, or the like cigarette-smoking oracle on the Matrix or your grandma, like I have no idea. You know, maybe you think of a person with Albert Einstein hair and a Sam Elliott voice always talking about the spirit told me and I did, you know, like that kind of thing. I think maybe we picture people doing radical, extraordinary things like just up and moving to some other part of the world as a missionary. Or I remember, I don't remember when I first heard this, but I remember as a young guy, I heard this story about this, this great old preacher who was such a spiritual person that he would walk into a factory and all of the men would just start falling down and confessing their sins and asking for Jesus. Like, I seriously doubt that's even true, but that was like shaping of my, if a spiritual person is somebody who has just had this glowing aura. So I don't know like what your picture is, and not all of these things are bad, but they're all really odd. There's all like we associate the Spirit's work with doing weird things. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's true. I think that being guided by the Spirit is normal for people who, who follow Jesus. I mean, it comes back to Galatians 5.25, since we have life by the Spirit. So since like we've been brought to life, spiritually speaking, we're not connected to God. Since we have life in Him, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That word keep in step is... Um, it's a word that means like put things in order, like ABCs sort of thing. And in a military context, it means to march in line. So like there's a line and the troops are going and you get in line and you start marching as you're led. That's, that's the connotation I think here in Galatians 5, that the Spirit is taking us somewhere. And so it's, we step in and we're led by the Spirit. We keep in step with what he's doing in our lives. I think about another verse from Romans chapter 8 where Paul says, if we are led by the Spirit of God, then we are children of God. So again, it's like he's saying, this is a fairly normal thing for people who call God Father, for people who follow Jesus, for people who are driven. So it's not, it's not weird, it's normal, and it's not random either. It's not like the Holy Spirit is just like blindfolding himself with a shotgun of guidance, just shooting it out at different people. It's not like the Spirit dispenses guidance like, uh, like fortune cookies. There's a little thought for you, and there's a little thought for you, and y'all just sort of open it up and eat it and read it and then do whatever you want to do. No, that's not how it works. Now, I don't know if I would call the Spirit's guidance predictable. That probably goes a little bit too far. But I do think that the Spirit guides us in ways that are totally consistent with what the Bible tells us God is up to in the world. I believe actually pretty firmly that the Spirit's guidance in your life is much more likely to be a reminder for you to do something you already know you need to do or a reminder uh, to believe something that you already think is true. 
I think it's much more likely to be a reminder of these things than it is some new crazy insight that nobody's ever thought of. The Spirit guides us into the things that God's trying to do. The Spirit's going to guide you into God's love. That's where the Spirit's going to take you, give you a sense of God's love in your life. Like we know this from Romans chapter 5 where Paul's talking about the hope of heaven and he says this hope of eternity, it doesn't put us to shame or disappoint us. Why? Because God has poured out his Holy Spirit. He's poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom we've been given. So the Spirit actually, part of, fundamental to the Spirit's guidance is making sure we remember that God loves us. I remember hearing a story from a friend of mine from a number of years ago. He was on a spiritual retreat. And so he was trying to get away for a weekend like we sometimes do. And he he just really wanted some of God's guidance in his life. He'd been wrestling with some big decisions. And so he was ready. He'd been reading his Bible and praying and fasting and was super excited to get away and just hear from God. And so he'd go and they'd have this, you know, they'd have these solitude sessions where you just go and you be alone with God and you pray and you listen and you journal. And he remember the first one, he was like, all right, God, like here I'm, I'm ready. Like, tell me what you want me to do, man. Like, I just, well, whatever you want, I'll do it. And then he just said he got this sense like that God was just just impressing upon him hey just remember how much I love you and so he's like okay cool got it God loves me exclamation mark awesome cool hey anything else no all right we'll talk in the morning and the next morning gets up same thing every time they did these solitude sessions he'd be ready to hear something and every time it's like whether through the through the scriptures that he was drawn to or the messages that were given or just like the thoughts that were coming to his mind it was just all only about how much God loves him and he was super fed up by this so by the end of the retreat, he's frustrated. He's like, man, I needed some help. And you're like leaving me out. To, you're just hanging me out here. And so then in the last session, what they do is he opened up a letter that his wife had written him. It was a prayer. So she'd been asked to, to write a, a short prayer over him that she'd be praying. And then he'd open it up on the last day. And, and then he, you know, he kind of connect it with what was going on. And he opened up this letter from his wife, super short to the point. She said, uh, dear God, uh, I pray that this weekend you give my husband a deep sense of how much you love him. Amen. And he was like, all right, okay, I get it. That's what the Spirit does. Spirit also guides us into Christ-like character, becoming people who are more like Jesus. So the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit has to say what the Spirit produces in people is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These are the things that the Spirit produces in a person. There's nothing wrong with miracles. I got no problem with miracles. They're cool. I got no problem with prophecy. I got no problem with speaking in tongues. It's kind of weird, but if you do it in a biblical way, whatever, all good. No problem with any of these things. But these like extraordinary things, these things that sometimes people might associate with the Spirit Roman free, they're not the primary marks of what the Holy Spirit does when the Holy Spirit gets to do whatever the Holy Spirit wants. Now, like, what does the Holy Spirit do when he's given free reign to move? Love, joy, peace, patience, and the like. This means that every time you demonstrate love, every time you choose to put your preferences on the back burner and to do something for somebody else, whether it's listening or doing the dishes or, or whatever, raking the lead, whatever it is, like, that's the Holy Spirit's work in you. And every time you choose to rejoice in God, even when your life could lead you to despair, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. And every time you demonstrate patience to a coworker, when you'd rather come back at them with some sarcasm, it would be hilarious, right? You'd rather just say whatever's coming to mind, but you're patient with them and their annoying habits. That's the Spirit's work in you. And every time you manifest gentleness instead of harshness in the people that you lead, your children, your students, your friends, and every time you show self-control, like you want to just give in to your impulses and do this thing, but you're pretty sure God doesn't want you to. Every time you resist that temptation, that's the Spirit of God working in your life. Like this is what the Holy Spirit does in us, turns us into certain kind of people. 
had another buddy who was uh, in an industry where he spent a lot of time up on stages in front of people. And he was really pretty good at this. And, and he was starting to get, a, he was kind of young. And so he was climbing the ladder of his industry. And he said, his, he can still remember like it was yesterday. There's this one event he's at and he's about to walk up on stage and uh, wow the crowd. And he said, as he was walking up on stage, he just had this thought came out of his mind, came into his mind. And it was simple and clear. He said, find joy in being unknown. And he heard that and he was like, okay. I get it. I am not who I present myself to be on stage. That's not what makes me who I am. The question is, do I care more about God's glory or my own? So the Spirit wants to guide us into Christ-like character. And then thirdly, yeah, the Spirit wants to guide us on mission. You can go to a number of places here. I'm thinking of Acts 1 in particular. So Jesus is spending his final moments with his disciples before he ascends to be back with the Father and he's talking to them about how they're going to go out and do work and continue his work. And they're like, all right, Jesus, like, how's this going to go down? Like, what's going to happen? What's the order of events from this point forward? And Jesus says to them right before he leaves, he says, y'all don't worry about this stuff. It's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right here at home, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this third piece, this being on mission guided by the Spirit, is really, I think, the part I've been assigned to talk through. And so we're going to camp out in this for the rest of our time. Here's this takes us to our second big point. Here's the other big thing I want to say. Uh, and this really is, like I said, as I started to think through this, I thought, all right, I, I don't know what else I'm going to say, but I'm pretty sure this is what the Spirit wants me to share with us as a church. Guidance from the Spirit comes to those ready to receive it. That's kind of the big idea. I'll shrink it here in just a second so we can actually remember it, take it home. Nobody's going to remember this line, but think about the long line. Guidance from the Spirit comes to those ready to receive it. Here's the short ver version. Guidance comes to the ready. I think we can lock that in for a little while. Everybody say, guidance, guidance. comes guidance. to the ready. Now let's put it all together. Guidance comes to the ready. Very good. All right. Well done. That's what I want to say today. Guidance comes to the people who are ready to receive it. And this is where the book of Acts is going to anchor our, our thoughts um, for the next little bit here. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. That's the story I'm going to read. Main character is, well, main character is probably the Holy Spirit, but the main human character is Philip, this follower of Jesus who's being guided around to do different things. And then the other character is a eunuch from Ethiopia who had just traveled 1,000 miles to Jerusalem to try to find God and is now on his way back home. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Uh, Luke is the one telling the story. Let's check out what he says. He says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, but tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. A lot going on in this story, and we're not going to try to cover all the details this morning, but we are going to key in on Philip, this character, and see what we can learn from him about how the Spirit may want to guide us in our lives. Now, when I read this story, one of the first things that strikes me is that Philip is experiencing some things that would be out of the ordinary for most of us, but he's so chill about it. I want you to go down on this road. All right. I want you to run up by that chariot. Okay. I'm going to transport you now. Okay. <laughs> like, like he's, just, he's just rolling with it. Like, who are you, you know? And I think that we'll actually miss some things about Philip and what we can learn from him if you just look at this story. If you miss the way in which Luke has been uh, building this character throughout the story, introducing him to us along the way. We meet Luke, uh, we meet Philip a couple of chapters previously in Acts chapter 6, actually. So it's early in the church's life, and I mean, the thing is blown, it's grown, it's a couple thousand people, and you still got these 12 apostles who are trying to lead everything, and they're getting overwhelmed by things, and they're trying to figure out how we're going to work all this, and, and what happens this one day is they, were, they, were, they had, a, they had a, a food distribution system to take care of the widows in the area. So they wanted to make sure that all the people who are vulnerable as part of their community had enough food. But one day, this one group of, of widows says, we kind of feel like we're being overlooked for the sake of these others. Uh, these other widows that y'all know a little bit better than you know us. And so the apostles get together and they're like, all right, we got to find a solution to this. And they did. They delegated. They picked some people to lead this. So I want to read, pick it up from Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Uh, they say, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, there's our guy. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So we know from the top that Philip is a man who's full of the Spirit. What's that mean? That means he's the kind of guy who tries to let the Spirit work in his life. We know that he's full of wisdom. What's that mean? It means he's a guy who tries to figure out what God wants him to do and does it. And I think this brings us to a point that we can maybe think through is we're asking the question, okay, so how can I be ready? If guidance comes to the ready, how can I become a ready person? Number one is prepare. Like Philip doesn't come out of nowhere. It kind of makes sense for the Spirit to use him because at this point in his life, he's become the kind of person that the Spirit can use. He's full of the Spirit and wisdom. Did you notice too that Philip doesn't flinch when he shows up and the guy's like, I'm reading this passage of scripture. Can you help me understand it? He's not like, oh, I'm not quite sure. Like, I'm not a scholar. I'm not, I don't really know. There's the apostles are the ones who do the ministry of the word. No, he doesn't do that. And I wonder, like, how, how would we respond? If a neighbor or if a coworker, a friend or a family member is like, I'm, if a child, I'm reading this part of the Bible. Can you help me understand it? I wonder, like, would we panic? What would we do? And Philip just jumps in and says, yeah, let me give it up my best shot. Here's what's going on. Here, here's Jesus. Here's kind of the big picture of the whole story. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, but I can't do that. I want us to understand there was, there was probably a time in Philip's life when he couldn't do that. He's not some superhero. He's just a person who over time has, has meditated on the word. How do we know that he's meditated on the word? How do we know that he sits under good teaching and pays attention to what God says in the scriptures? Well, because he's part of the church. 
And in Acts chapter 2, the first description that we get of the early church, after all these people are baptized into Christ, is that they devoted, this is 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. He sat under the word. So he's got some, I don't know that he could explain every passage. None of us can. But he sat under it long enough to say, I mean, here's my best shot at that, and let me give you the big picture. He, he knows how to discern God's voice. I mean, think about this. If I called you on the phone, like yesterday, most of y'all would be like, who is this guy? I don't know who is talking to us. Some of y'all I know a little better. I could call you, and pretty quickly, you'd know who it is, because we've talked, you know my voice. Others of you, this actually happens to me in the supermarket. Sometimes I'll be talking, and somebody will be coming around like, are you that preacher kid? Because uh, I recognize that voice. If I called you later on today, and I'm like, hey, what's up? Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Based on the sound of my voice, which you had to hear this morning, and the content of what I'm talking about, you'd probably be like, I think this is that guy. And so Philip is a person who, he's discerned God's voice because he's learned it. He understands what the scriptures are saying. And maybe, again, maybe you're thinking, yeah, that doesn't help. Like, now I'm extra not ready. Because not only do I not know the word, but I don't meditate on it regularly. Okay. All right. Step one is acknowledging reality. Step one is just coming to grips with where we are. And then from there, the question becomes, well, where do we go from here? Like, what next? I, I don't know how ready you feel today in this regard. But maybe that's not the best question. Maybe the best question is, how ready are you going to be a year from now? Like, how prepared will you be at that point? And it's not about, like, climbing a mountain in a day. It's about slowly becoming to be a person who is ready to be led uh, by the Lord. Second thing, listen. Listen. I think this might be the trickiest part in certain respects, to listen to the voice of God. How do I know? How do I know when it's my voice or God's voice? That's often the question. We were talking about this at Life Group last week, and this is the thing that kept coming up as we were just wrestling with, how do I know when it's him or me? And, and I can't solve this for you. I don't even think I'm supposed to, even if I could. And again, I can't. I think, though, that we learn some things in here that may be helpful for us. I think part of it is, like, there's no magic formula. It's about patterns, not formulas. So the, Philip isn't led the same way every time. Like the angel said something, and then the spirit says something, and then the eunuch invites him up, and then here's water, and then he's transported. I don't know if he's really transported or if it's just a figure of speech. I have no idea. But I think part of the point is don't expect it to look exactly the same every time. And let's not expect it to look exactly the same for you and for me. I don't know that the spirit's guidance is going to feel exactly the same way for you as it does for me. I mean, think about how we communicate with our friends or with, with our children. We don't talk exactly the same way to everybody we know because they're not all the same. And I think God probably tailors his communication to us in some respect. I think it's probably why the Bible never lays out, here's what it feels like to, be, to, to, to hear from God's voice. It never says, here's what the experience is from the inside, because it's maybe not always the same. I do think one thing I've learned that's important to keep in mind, in my opinion, when you read the scriptures and it says that God said, or like this one says the Holy Spirit said, I really don't think that you should hear that as an audible command. I really don't think it's an audible voice, very, maybe occasionally, but very seldom is, is that how I think God operates. I think maybe it would be better if we thought in terms of God communicating. So the Lord spoke to me. The Lord communicated to me. And we communicate all the time. We often use words. That's the typical way we do it, but not always. We can communicate with our hands. We can communicate with our eyes. We can communicate with our bodies. We can communicate with touch, a handshake, a hug, or a lack thereof. And so I think when you think about God's guidance in your life, when the Spirit's speaking to you, don't worry about I've never in my life heard an audible voice. And I don't anticipate it until I see Jesus face to face. And that's fine. It's not about an audible voice. It's about weighty impressions. It's about this thought that just, it kind of sounds like me, but there's something different. I don't know exactly what it is. Do you ever have that where you're just, man, it's just, I just feels like there's something different about this one. 
It's a friend pops into your mind from years ago that you haven't seen forever. Like, there's no reason why this person would just show up in your mind. Or you have a dream all of a sudden, and some authority person in your life that you respect says something in the dream, and you wake up and you forget the dream, but you remember what that person said. It just feels like there's something different about it. You know what I'm saying? Hard to articulate, but real. And this happens in all sorts of ways. I love hearing and sharing stories about how this happens because I think it demystifies. Let me tell you one. This one was, I think Jesus was just trying to kind of mess with me a little bit. There was this one time when I was, I was, I was trying to figure out, I needed some guidance in my life and I had a, an opportunity in front of me and I was trying to decide, should I do this thing or not? And usually, just so you know, Jesus never tells me what to do. He's always just like, yeah, you got a couple of good options. Pick one, I'll be with you along the way. Pursue my heart. Like I care much more about who you become than what you do. But in this case, I was like, all right, like, like I'm, I've, I've asked friends, I've, I've, I've sought his counsel, I'm reading the word, and it feels like maybe there's a good thing. Anyway, I was talking to some people, and I remember saying the words. Um, whenever, sometimes you just know when you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do. Or sometimes, you know, thoughts pop in your head. Sometimes you just know. I remember saying that. You just know. And I said, and when you just know, nothing else matters. What other people are saying doesn't matter. The dangers don't matter. When you know, you know. And when you know, nothing else matters. And I remember I was teaching on this. When I said those words, I paused. I teach this in this, this one class every year. But this year I paused. And I wasn't trying to be dramatic. I was just listening. Because when I said those words, it's like Jesus said to me, hey, buddy, did you hear that? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I said that. What do you mean, did I hear that? And he's like, no, 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 did you hear that? And I'm like, oh, I get it. Using my words to talk to me. Tricky, tricky, you know. But that's what sometimes happens is something just, it just, you're never going to know for sure, but you just think, I think there's something different about this one. You listen. One more story on listening. I think that we do hear what we're trying to hear. We do hear what our ears are trained to listen to. I remember hearing about this, um, this, uh, this guy who grew up in Missouri. We'll call him Jack. And he's kind of from, uh, from the country. Uh, so, you know, kind of classic Missouri guy. And he had a cousin that lived in New York City. And he'd never been to the big city, but uh, they'd kind of known each other from they were kids. And so he wanted to go out and visit. So he goes out and visits his cousin in New York. And they're hitting all the spots. I mean, they're hitting Manhattan. They're hitting Brooklyn, Harlem, all of it. And it was fun, but it was a little intense, like the, sight, the, the lights and the sounds and the people and the traffic and all that. And uh, there's this one time when they're walking through Times Square. And Jack, he stops his, uh, his New York cousin. And he's like, man, hold on a second. I think I just heard something. I think I just heard a cricket. <laughs> and Jack, or not Jack, but the other New Yorker's like, hey, man, like, no, no disrespect, you didn't hear a cricket. <laughs> like, I know you hear crickets where you come from. This is Times Square. No crickets here. And Jack says, no, no, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't. So he listens, and he goes around, and there's in the, at the, one of the storefronts, there's a little planter. And he looks behind. He says, sure enough, right there, check it out. There's a cricket. And sure enough, there was a cricket. And this New Yorker's like, what in the world? Like, how could you possibly hear a cricket? You are in the middle of Times Square. All this noise, all this chaos, and you hear that? And Jack says, all right, watch this. And so he goes over to this busy intersection where people are walking by, not looking at each other, not noticing each other, not noticing him. And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a handful of change and he drops it on the pavement. And all those coins hit the ground and everybody in the vicinity just steps back, pauses and looks because all of a sudden they hear. And he says, we hear what we're trying to hear. We hear what we're trying to listen to. I cannot make it easy or obvious, and I don't want to. It's not obvious or easy for me to listen to the Spirit's guidance, but I do think it's true that the more we're trying to listen, the more likely we are to hear. Third piece is kind of probably pretty obvious, but I think it needs to be said. Obey. Just do something. When you get this prompting, this nudge, just, just, do, just do it. Risk it. Put it into practice. And I don't know, I don't know 
I would not say that like, if you don't listen to God, he'll stop talking to you. I think God is so merciful and gracious and, and good to us. But there is a sense in which I don't think it's helpful to be ignored. So he might pull back for a little while. But like also, let me flip it around and put it positively. If you want to unlock the Spirit's power in your life, next time you think the Spirit might be telling you to do something, don't wait until you're 100% sure. If it's a good thing, then do it. Just go for it. Take the risk. Jump in. That's what I see in Philip. He just keeps, okay, I want you to go down to this desert road. All right, he starts walking. Now I want you to run over to that chariot. Okay, so he starts running. I want you to hop up and explain the word. Hey, there's some water. Let's get baptized. All right, I'm in. It's just like every point, he just continues to do it. He continues to obey. And then after this story, he's just taken away. And he goes off to Caesarea preaching the gospel along the way. He'll show up in the book of Acts 20 years later. We don't hear from him for two decades, and he doesn't care because it wasn't about the glory. It wasn't about him. It was just about doing whatever the, the Spirit communicates to me to do. And that, I think, is brilliant, and that, I think, is important for us to think through. And it makes me think one last story. We're almost done. One last story. Of, um, uh, one of my mentors is a guy named Jim, and he has three sons, uh, Matthew, McKenzie, and Maxwell, Matt, Mac, and Max. And when these guys were younger, they actually lived in Joplin for a little while, and uh, he took them on a trip to Denver, Colorado, and he was doing something. I can't remember what he was doing out there, but he rented a minivan and they had a hotel and, and uh, he, had, he was doing some work, but they were done with the work for the day. And so they were just driving around, just seeing the city and, and having fun. And, and they're driving along and they came upon, they stopped at this intersection and there's a homeless guy at the, at the side of the intersection. And uh, you've, we've all seen this. Some of us have probably been this. And especially if you've been in a bigger city, you know that this is pretty common. His boys had never seen it before. They'd never seen somebody on the side of the road asking like with a sign asking for help. And so they're like, well, what's going on? What's he doing? And Jim said, well, he, he needs some help. And, and the boy's like, well, why, why doesn't he go home? And Jim's like, well, he doesn't have a home. What? What do you mean he doesn't have a home? They're blowing their mind. Well, yeah, like he doesn't have a place to live. Like he probably sleeps on the street or under a bridge or wherever he can find a place to stay. And they're like, well, we got to take him back to the hotel. And, and Jim's like, no, but we can't take him back to the hotel. But then they just, they, they, they couldn't get this out of their heads. And Mac is the middle son. They're all good kids. They've all grown up. Mac's a missionary in Poland now. Super sensitive just a real good-hearted kid. And he just, he, he says to his dad, Daddy, what are you going to do? And Jim's like, I don't know, buddy. What do you want me to do? And Mac from the back of the van is like, I don't know, Dad, but you can't do nothing. What are you going to do, Dad? I don't know, son. What do you want me to do? I don't know, Dad, but you can't do nothing. They have this conversation over and over and over. And he just keeps repeating it. We can't do nothing. We can't do nothing. We just can't do nothing. And so they go to Walmart. And they get his bag of like some socks and some toothpaste, toothbrush and some food and some water bottles. And they put it in this bag and they go back to that intersection. And they open up the door and say, hey, Jim says, I don't know your story. We don't live here. So there's not much we can do to follow up. But we saw you here and, and the boys were clear. We couldn't do nothing. God bless. Have a good day. They drive off. And listen, here's the deal. I, like, I'm, again, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a predictor of what the Spirit's going to do. But I think I know God well enough to know he kind of sometimes strikes when the iron is hot. And we're talking about being guided by God's spirit today. So it's gonna be on your minds, at least for right now. I would anticipate that in most of our lives over the next few days, you're gonna get some sort of a, of, a, of a push, of a prompting. Maybe it's gonna be an old friend that comes to mind. Maybe it's happening right now, an old friend that comes to mind that you could just shoot him a text, hey, thinking about your praying for you, hope all is well. Maybe it's you need to take the next step in your own journey. Gosh, maybe that's the impression that's happening right now. Maybe you need to pursue baptism, I don't know. Maybe it's that you need to do the dishes. <laughs> Maybe it's that you need to go check on a neighbor that you haven't seen in a while because it's getting a little bit cold. Maybe it's that you need to be kind to a particular coworker who really, really annoys you. I have no idea what it is. Maybe it's something that we could never predict. But whatever it is, y'all remember, this is the way the Spirit works. And I want you to hear Max's little voice. We can't do nothing. We can't do nothing. Just don't do nothing.
Let me pray. Father God, thanks for your word that guides us and thanks for your spirit. We're grateful that you don't leave us alone and that you don't expect us just to figure it all out on our own. We know that you're often not gonna tell us exactly what to do because you have the long view in mind. You wanna make us wise and all those things. Cool, we, we get it. But we ask right now for your guidance and uh, give us just enough, God, that we can't make any excuses. Help us to follow your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.